Welcome to the Serie A Show. And we are back. It's another edition of the Serie A Show. But this time, though, only one of us is going to be happy. Chloe, you made a comment that ever since we've started doing this podcast, our teams have been terrible. Well, I think since you've made that comment, um, Nima, you're the only one who's had a bit of joy, it seems like, this past weekend. Wow. Yeah, I I don't know where that performance came from because um, I did not expect that. I mean, when we did this pod, when we did this last episode... Inter then proceeded to play in the Europa League and give the worst performance they could have possibly given. A team that looked completely fragmented. They were all over the place. Spalletti seemed like he was panic. It was frantic. It was basically put, you know, this 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 kind of, you know, make or break situation where where, where the coaches do when they're when they're at their, you know, when they've reached the end of their tether, um, and it bombed. Inter looked awful. Um, and he he accepted responsibility for that. And then we go, and then you know this the, the whole Icardi thing spins three a couple of more times, and we go into the derby, and I and I think and I just have absolutely nothing to look forward to. I'm thinking all I'm thinking about is how bad are Inter going to get destroyed, and Spalletti just simply pulls out a tactical masterclass against Gattuso, where he reverts back to the double pivot in midfield. He almost gives Vecino, or he gives Vecino a free role, a roaming role as a trequartista, which means that... And he did very well, didn't he? He did, he did, role, he did, he did fantastic yeah. in that. And then, you know, Inter press really, really high. Uh, Gattuso looks completely, completely out of his depth. Like, he doesn't know how to counter this. And then you have Inter completely dominating for 60 minutes and should have been 3-0 up by then and ended the game. But uh, Vecino, you know, that's the difference. This is the reason why Vecino isn't a world-class player. If he if he was a world-class player, he would have scored three goals. Instead, he just scored once, and and he he misses sitters that shouldn't you know shouldn't be able to be missed. Um, this is nothing new to Fiorentina fans, by the way, Neiman. <laughs> yeah, I mean exactly the same. Yeah, I mean the, <laughs> that that's why he isn't world-class. He's a good player, but he's not world-class. Um, but but no, uh, it, it was incredible. And Lautaro, I mean, I, I don't know if I've said it on this podcast before, but I want to go on the record and say that I am firmly on the Lautaro train. The guy's footballing IQ and his intelligence, his movement, his ability to read the game, his ability, his technique, um, everything at only 21 is simply, simply fantastic. Uh, there's no, the sky's the limit for this guy. If he can, if he can start scoring more, then you know, and, and converting chances more, and bring it up to Icardi level. Then we're talking a Ballon d'Or winner here because he has everything else. So, do you even bring Icardi back into the fold given this? Because, given how sensitive, in my opinion, the situation is with Inter, you have Roma who are struggling, but are still, regardless, somehow they're still firmly in this race. Um, nobody's really out of the clear yet. I feel like bringing him would 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 sort of spoil the whole batch. So you just said no, but Chloe, what do you think? Certainly you have to keep him away from this team at the moment. At the moment, yeah. I think um, it would be, in a team environment, I think it would be very difficult to integrate him back with all the little side issues that are going on. And, you know, um, it, it seems like there's pockets of the squad that, 
you know maybe agree with him and don't agree with him um and i think to try and integrate somebody back into that kind of atmosphere would be quite difficult and it probably would play out somehow on the pitch and then you know in such a like you say in a delicate moment where Inter are trying to um, consolidate their place in the Champions League it's probably not the right time um, but going back to Sunday night I just have to say what an advert for Serie A that was what a fantastic match it was absolutely uh, fascinating um, I don't think Milan even though it finished 3-2 I don't think Milan were ever really looked in danger of um, winning they certainly looked like they might equalise had it not been for last gasp um, Daniele, um, Danilo D'Ambrosio tackle that was superb um, but a thought kind of came to me about the derby when I, when I was just kind of not really thinking about it um, so something just came into my head and you know I thought about Gattuso and how he has done so well in terms of consistency and getting results and making Milan um, difficult to beat um, but he has, when you think about it, in big games, he has been found out tactically. And you think, you counter that with how Spalletti is. And actually, he's, you know, we know he's a bit wild and he's a bit crazy, he's a bit up and down. And I think that's where the inconsistency comes from, how you can get a performance like that in the Europa League, which was so, so bad, and then such a good performance in the um, in the derby. Um, and he he has the ability, conversely, to pull off those big results when they matter. And I think that was maybe the difference on Sunday night, that that Gattuso is really good at the bread and butter. Um, but, you know, he came up against Spalletti at his best, which he didn't really have an answer for. Absolutely. But i got to say, I was really impressed that in the second half, um, when when Gattuso moved things around and they started hurting Inter and that's when um, and they started really creating chances uh, um, and uh, that that like they they really started sh- you know that, that's when it's the Spalletti's first uh, game plan started to not work as well as it was. Uh, I found it really interesting to see that. Um, he was able to do that because he's been unable to do that in the derbies before. Uh, and Milan were dangerous. I mean, they scored twice. They, by all accounts, should should have scored the third as well, but were unable to. Uh, and to me, that says that Gattuso is is learning. He's learning on the oh, job. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's, he's learning. Um, um... But the, th- the thing is that can Milan... Uh, afford to let him learn of the job? Well, that depends on how this season ends. I mean, if they finish top four and they win the Coppa Italia, absolutely, give him another go. Um, but I don't think, I personally don't think, I think that this is the highest level he is he will ever reach. Um, I, I still think that Antonio Conte would be the perfect suit for them. So, with that, in my opinion, I, 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 don't, I don't think that... Um, ruled Roma out of the Champions League race, but um, Inter pulling that one out of their ass, Nima, was <laughs> the worst, the worst case scenario for Roma because obviously they were putrid. But I'm curious, is your opinion, either of your opinions, on how this race for the final two Champions League spots is shaping up 
did the derby affect that in your opinion or do you think the two milan-based sides are still the favorites to come out with that yeah i, th- I think the two milanese sides are the favorites but i wouldn't count count lazio out for me roma are out of this um they were they were pathetic i mean with all due respect that performance i saw against spal was pathetic uh the, this 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 squad this roma squad is so in trouble in so fragmented so in pieces and Ranieri is is not a magical, you know. He's not a, um, he's not a, he's he's not a, a magician. You know, he can he can get this squad, but the, that the jolt and energy needed, um, um, you know, the, 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 the what's needed to to go forward, uh, for this for this side is is a massive overhaul in the summer. You don't even have a you don't even have a what do you call it, a, a, a sporting director. You you have a coach that is expressly there just to stay until the summer. Um, to me, Roma, no, Roma need to, this is this is not working. Um, the Roma are out of this race. I think, um, hmm. I think Palotta's comments were, were very interesting. <laughs> oh, God. I'm sure you uh, have oh. an opinion on this, John, but, you know, I think that, I think what he said about Monchi and, and about the fact that Monchi sort of said, well, Plotter wanted to go one way and I wanted to go another. And Plotter says, oh, no, wait a minute. We let you do exactly what you want. Um, I think that that sort of speaks to the fact that um, there are probably deeper problems if Monchi's kind of, if indeed he has sort of run riot and just done his own thing and it's not worked. Um, I think obviously we spoke about Ranieri bringing um, c- coming in and giving the side a lift, but if it is mission impossible for him, um, then you know if if there are that, those kind of deep rooted problems, then it might be tougher for him than we first thought. Yeah, no, I I I think that Roma or sorry, John, I just wanted to say this that I was surprised. I did not think Roma going into this season. I, I thought Roma were going to be the ones to challenge Inter for third spot. I did. I did honestly did not think that they were going to collapse in the way that they have, and it is a collapse. Uh, it is a complete collapse. It's a. It's a collapse in the boardroom. It's a collapse on the pitch. It's a collapse on the bench. I, I didn't see that coming. I honestly didn't because I think that Roma is a good enough side on paper as a squad to be able to 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 finish top three, top four. I really, really think that. Um, but I'm curious to hear what you think. Palotta's comments didn't surprise me. I knew something was coming just because he was responding to journalists for the first time in like three months. So once he once he started replying to all of us, I knew we were uh, we were in for a treat of an interview and words, and <laughs> he did not disappoint. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I give Palotta credit in the sense that my 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 biggest gripe with him is. He has one of his best friends, Alex Zeka, essentially overseeing the sporting side of Roma. This guy has never worked in football in his life. He's a hedge fund manager, never once worked in sport. So that ends well. <laughs> when Palotta, yeah, um, but when Palotta brought in Manchi and essentially gave him the keys to the car and said, "This entire sporting project is yours," I commended him for it because I think that's what he needed. Um, the reason Sabatini left was he and Zeka did not see eye to eye 
um, especially from an analytics standpoint. Roma are very known for their use of analytics and scouting. Sabatini was against that. Um, Monchi came in. Palotta gave him everything. He said, you have it your way. Uh, we'll stay out of the way. And I commended him for that. But in hindsight, th- th- that looks like a mistake because Monchi had no plan B. That was Palotta's biggest gripe with him this season. Palotta asked, well, what is our plan B? And Monchi said, well, now, this, of course, this is according to Palotta. But Monchi said, well, our plan B is to keep going with plan A. Um, Jesus, that is terrifying from <laughs> to hear from your sporting director. Yeah. And this is something that was clear in October, November, that this team clearly had problems. It was evident. And for him not to, A, sack the manager at that time, and B, not buy a single player in the winter, um, I actually side with Palata on this because it was clear things have been going wrong. I think it's nonsensical for Monchi to just sort of continue with this project as is and to not make any changes whatsoever is absurd. And we're seeing what the result of that is. Uh, Monchi leaves, Roma are in absolute crisis. And if we have to be honest, if you look at this team, Nima, I do agree on paper, they have enough to finish top four. Um, But if you look at this team, the top wage earners, it is a black hole of the highest degree. It's it's horrible. Their top two earners are Jekyll and Pastore. I mean, yeah, that's not good. And, and, And for a club, everybody knows what Roma's financial situation is. I mean, that is something they cannot afford. And now, um, with it looking like Champions League is distant, I do think there's a very small chance um, Inter have a much more difficult schedule than Roma. Um, So we'll see what happens. Um, Roma have to play Napoli after the break. So, Jesus. And then Fiorentina after that. I won't even mention, Chloe, what happened the last time they met. Um, We've put a moratorium on that. If Roma can somehow, some way, by some miracle, um, win their next four against Napoli, Fiorentina, Sampdoria, Udinese, then I think they at least put themselves in a position. Do I think it's going to happen? (laughs) Hell no. But um, I'm at least at the point where I'm sort of making peace with it. And and oddly enough, um, this might be something that Roma needs because exactly. I I I think if you yeah I I I think if you would have continued with the likes of Jeco um, exactly Florenzi Fazio a thirty two yeah. or thirty three year old mm. uh, Kolarov I, I I feel like you're not really growing you've reached the apex um, I agree so I was going to say I that think, yeah I, I I think this summer presents an instance to um, you know, you had a small house fire and you're trying to just fix it up. I say just let the thing burn to the ground. It's going to get very ugly, a lot of ash. Um, but then you can build from anew again. And I think that I truly I, I, I think that's what they need. I, I really, really do. This I mean, entire club needs an overhaul. I agree. And, 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 and it's the right time to do it just before the stadium starts getting built. And, you know, you need to, that's what I mean. I mean, from what I've read, I mean, um, and from all the sources I've talked to, all the people who actually know this, 
um, uh, who know this really well, everyone is saying that this time around, Palotta is going to have like an audition, like a long audition period to find the sporting director that Roma keep for the next three, four years, because this is going to be the person who, who oversees the project into the new stadium. So they're not going to be rushed into this decision um, uh, by, you know, they're not going to just take someone like Monchi, who, who maybe... Um, maybe wasn't, you know, maybe that was a little bit of a Hail Mary looking back at it, uh, because, I mean, look at him, he did brilliantly at Sevilla, but yeah, but different country, you know, not knowing the culture, coming to a new different, you know, new football, uh, completely new football culture, that to me felt a little bit like a Hail Mary, um, but, 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 I mean, in that, in that case, this, this new sporting project that they're going to start in the summer, um, I, I, I keep hammering this, but, Maurizio Sarri would be perfect, you know, because he he is that he is a strong man. He's been through. I mean, Naples is a crazy place. He's handled that brilliantly. De Laurentiis is no nowhere near as difficult to work for as Palotta. Um, the, you know, he's not as volatile as uh, Palotta is nowhere near as volatile as Palotta is. Um, and, 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 and the kind of football he wants to play is exactly the kind of football that Roma wants to play. It's an attractive football. It's, it's kind of ingrained in the club's culture. It's not like Inter. Inter have a, you know, Inter, Inter, Inter have a club culture where, where, where Inter, when they win the Champions League or the European Cup or Grande Inter, it's with Helenio Herrera and Jose Mourinho. It's a different culture altogether. Every club has its own culture. And I think that would be the perfect guy. Now, who should oversee that? You see, a lot of people have said Fagiano at Parma. I think that would be an intelligent, maybe maybe premature move because he's already he's never really. I don't know if he's ready to take on a place like Roma. If you go from Parma and Roma, to me that's like two different galaxies. Personally, I, I honestly think that, and I and I would and I would be upset if it happened, but I think it will happen. I hope it doesn't happen, but I think that if you guys, if if he goes for Auxilio, that would be a brilliant move for everyone involved because this is a guy that is so adaptable. He has the contacts. He knows exactly what it is to work for a club that has limited financial resources, that is rebuilding. He's done it before, and he's calm. Um, Inter are a crazy club. Um, Roma are a chaotic club. So, you know, I, I think that would be the correct project. Yeah. Um, personally, I think it's going to be either Sabatini or Torino's uh, Petracchi. That would be good as well. I think, I, I think either of them would fit the ideal profile for what Roma needs. Because they they need someone, they 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 need someone who can build a team. This this is no longer about no. unearthing talents. This is about building something. And I'd be curious to hear what both of you think about this because um, watching Monchi spurn Arsenal uh, made me laugh a bit inside. But I'm curious to hear what you guys think. The manner in which he left, I thought was. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I thought, you know, I, I have to say, I, I don't blame Palotta for bringing in Monchi and giving him mm. carte blanche. It was possibly a little bit naive, but with his reputation at the time, you know, there were articles being written all over the place of saying, you know, what an amazing, amazing job he'd done at Sevilla. If, you know, if any club could just choose a, a sporting director from anywhere in the world at that time, Monchi was like the hottest name. And it, it seemed like Roma had really pulled off an amazing coup by getting him. Um, I can't remember what you asked me now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, I, I'm, I'm just curious. Do you think? Attempt. No, it's fine. Oh, about Monchi, yeah, yeah, about yeah, Monchi. Yeah. I, I... Um, 
and I just thought, I honestly thought he would go on to another exciting project like sure. like Arsenal and try and rebuild his reputation. But the fact he's gone back to Sevilla just seems like, oh, I failed and I'm going to go crawling back to what's familiar and comfortable for me. And, and that just seemed like a, a stunning admission, like like he's admitting yeah. he can't no, work anywhere else. It's it's crazy. Yeah, and you tweeted this to me, Chloe. I, I I mean, do you think this kills his chances of ever working? And I, I say this a bit tongue-in-cheek, but, I, I mean, Roma are a bigger club than Sevilla, d- despite Sevilla having one more. Monchi um, mm. himself said when he, when he arrived that Roma's budget was, was double Sevilla. So I'm curious to what you think. Do you, do you, do you think this spells the end for a, a big chance for him? Because I, I, I genuinely feel like it's not even about him leaving. It's the manner in which he left, and it's how quickly – he accepted to return to Sevilla. Yeah, like not like, oh, I'll think about it over the summer or anything else. It's just like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm going back to Sevilla then. You know, I I think another big club would be really, really wary over what happened with Roma and, and the fact that he's just showed zero ambition. I mean, would he even himself want to go for a bigger club? It doesn't seem like it. No, because, I, I think to me that was basically know, why would him he have saying that... that... He wanted mm. to give this a shot and he, he probably felt um, so burned by the experience that um, I think it will be, I don't think we'll see him do anything like that for, for quite some time. I really don't. And whether, I mean, the thing is like a lot of, you know, people think, you know, there's a lot that has to click for something to work. It's not football manager. You know, you don't hire the guy with the world-class reputation, you know, a few clicks later, everything works like clockwork. You know, it's not, that's not how it works in real life. You know, these are human beings. They have to be able to work together. They have to find a way to communicate. You know, all that stuff has to click. And you can be really good at your your, your job uh, in terms of talent, finding talent and building. But if you and the owner don't, your communication and the personal chemistry isn't working, it doesn't really matter, does it? Um, at the end of the day, uh, because you won't be able to get results. Um, and, and the fact that Monchi decided to turn Arsenal down and go to Sevilla, to me, just shows that, you know, he wasn't ready to to risk that again. But he'd rather go back to a place that he knows, that he's in control of, he knows what's, what's expected of him, and and try to, to build from there on. Um, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't, time will tell if that was a mistake or not. But personally, I think maybe that that was that just shows to me how badly he felt he was burned by the Roma experience. I agree, and I, I, I have to say, history will not look kindly on him because I, I, I mean, let's be clear. Look at this Roma side. I mean, they are a disaster. <laughs> They are. No, it's it's a, it's failed. It's a failed project. It's it's literally a failed project. It's in free fall. You have a, you know, they sacked the coach who really should was never good enough to be at Roma to begin with. Di Francesco was a was a coach that you know as a player he played for Roma. He won a scudetto with Roma, so obviously he did he did all right with Sassuolo, but he she, he clearly wasn't good enough to be at Roma. Um, and and to take this project and lift it like Spalletti did to 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 you know. He he did well at Roma. Um, then then you have um, you know then you have the players he brought in replaced Alisson with Robin Olsen, which was an utter unmitigated disaster. I can't even talk. Uh, I have post traumatic <laughs> stress disorder from that. I, I I don't. I can't even. I, I can't even talk about it. Anybody I mean, who, who has watched Roma it, in the last it, it decade, was... the only person. 
that he is behind in terms of the worst goalkeeper is Mauro Goicochea, who everybody will remember <laughs> from Zeno, who had the absolute um, worst blunder I've ever seen in my life. He catches a corner and it falls out of his hands, and the, he 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 concedes a goal against Cagliari. But but genuinely, I what I I don't know what in the world Monchi was thinking with that. I mean, genuinely, if you look at the top ten, I would take every single goalkeeper ahead of him. Every single one. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And then, and then, you know, his, his other signings didn't really work out either. I mean, Zaniolo, sure. Zaniolo was the only one that worked out, but that was more that, you know, Zaniolo is one of the hottest prospects in Italy. It wasn't something that Monchi discovered. I mean, apparently now, now we know that every single sporting director in Italy was, everyone has been talking about Zaniolo for a long time. And it was only a matter, you know, it was it was it's always going to be a gamble, but but that's how Inter had to do. They sent away loads of young, talented players like Radu in in Genoa goal, the Genoa goalkeeper, you know, um, who's been name? fantastic, by the way. He's been fantastic. Uh, Pushkas to Palermo in Serie B, who's doing really well. Uh, a, lo- a lot of players um, to Sassuolo for for Politano, etc. And and all and, and a lot of them and Inter managed to to get renegotiate buybacks into every single one of those players except for Zaniolo, who was who was supposed to be part of the you know who was part of the Nangolan deal. So aside from that, it's been an utter disaster. Um, and and you know he can't run away from that. Uh, but I think I, that's why I think that it's you know when you hire a sporting director. I think that is something you need to be someone that is in that country and in that culture. It's not like buying players and coaches. Uh, that is easier to adapt to because world football is now such a global global place. But I think when it comes to the sporting directorship, that is clearly something that you still need to keep within your own country. I think because the knowledge and contacts of the Italian, you know, that that you have of you of of the football. Um, inside inside Italy is, is something that Monchi just didn't have you know he simply didn't have any and you see the free, free fall that we have in front of us and it was kind of you not to bring up Javier Pastore so but I like Pastore you. no no but the thing is oh, I like get the hell, get the hell out of here <laughs> I do I do I I want I I I was really annoyed I mean it was uh, how long annoyed. ago I, I've no, I mean, I, I thought that in the summer when, when Spalletti was choosing between Pastore and Nainggolan, I was like, okay, well, you know, he's, he's chosen Nainggolan. Oh, my let's, God. Let's see what, you know, what, you know, let's see how that goes. And, and in hindsight, Would you prefer a kick in the, the ass or the face? That's basically that's the question. <laughs> it was expensive, though, wasn't it? How much did Roma pay for him? Oh, yeah. my God. Very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> it was 25 oh. million euros. Yeah. Very, yeah, not yeah, good. It was, it not was good. expensive. It was expensive. But one, no, but it's so clear. Yeah. It's over. So I to mean, transition before I start um, weeping, Genoa pulled one out of their backside against Juve. Again. I, I mean, speechless doesn't begin to describe that performance. That was. But to be honest, I mean, with all due respect to Genoa, did you? Juve see weren't up Juve for it. Line? Let's just get that out of the way. Uh, I mean, it was Juve's fourth team to, that went out there, and yes, and they played yes. and they played on par with Genoa, and Genoa were fighting, were playing like they were fighting for their lives. But let's be honest; I mean, this isn't the first time that Genoa has caused no. Juve problems, um, and this season, and last um, season, and so, or maybe the one before, yeah, exactly. actually, when Simeone yeah. scored at least two yeah. goals. Yeah. So. 
you know, you're always going to have this bogey team syndrome. And I think when, 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 I mean, for Allegri, it's like, as he said, I mean, we were still, you know, he didn't play with Cristiano Ronaldo. He didn't play with any of the team, almost any of the players that played in midweek fixtures in the Champions League. You know, what are you going to do? Two points of mention, though. Uh, Chloe, I, I, I know you're going to wait to hop on this one. Um, Rugani was terrible. <laughs> He was, oh, he was. the worst goal, on the pitch. What was he doing? Oh, he, he him, was without him, question the worst was, on the pitch. Yeah, he was backing off. Um, he was I can't remember who it was that was running forward, but he was backing off, backing off the whole time. Then he decides, oh, wait, there's another guy coming. And he sort of half runs towards him and then ended up in the middle of the two of them. And then Genoa scored. So it... it it, it, that was just dreadful, and and it, to me, it proves once again that he is not good enough for Juventus. Um, but I think even though they lost, and I have to say, Genoa must take credit for the way that they uh, once again attack Juve without, uh, you know, without fear. Um, but mm. for Juve, I think even though they lost, Allegri did the right thing. I think that he has been too guilty of um, not rotating enough and and being sort of too cautious. But I think he got it spot on. They're, what, eight, they were 18 points ahead before now the start 15. of the game. Now they're 15. Now they're 15. Come on. Like Ronaldo got a complete rest. He wasn't even in the squad. And, you he know, didn't even you travel. Have, yeah. You know, it, I think... When they've they've tried in the past to win the Champions League and they've not got over quite got over that final hurdle, um, I think you could look back and say, well, you know, maybe if they'd not been so keen in the league, maybe you know they would have performed a little bit better. And I think at the end of the season, if if the, anybody who was disappointed with that result who supports Juve. Um, if at the end of the season they've won the Champions League, they're not going to they're not going to care about losing an, an unbeaten record. Mm. You know, it, I think I think even though they lost, I really think that he he did the right thing, and um, you know, perhaps in the past that's not been the case. So I think it was a, a positive negative, if you see what I mean, for them. I I, I just don't. I see... agree, but can, can we at least agree that Prandelli has done incredible things for Genoa this season? Oh yeah, Absolutely. great job! I'm so and I think happy it's to see the right there. Club for him. Mm. You know, the, for a club who who um, has a big heart, a bit like you know, a bit like Fiorentina, that they they feel everything so much, and yeah. um, I think that was the right place for him. And 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 you know, hopefully, it stopped this rot of like people like Ivan Juric coming <laughs> in and out and in and out. <laughs> Ballardini Juric, yeah. the, the, merry, the merry-go-round with Ballardini right. and Juric. I mean, they were basically on a rota, as we said before, wasn't it? Like, it's like you take the summer shift, I take the autumn shift, and you come back in spring, and then we go around in halves in summer. I mean, no, it was it was ridiculous. No, no, but I think Prandelli. I'm really happy to see Prandelli in Genoa. I'm really happy that uh, Gianpaolo is staying at Sampdoria because that's what um, uh, their their crazy president said uh, <laughs> um, in in one of his brilliant rants. Um, and I like that because um, that means that I think that Genoa can, for next season, they can actually, I think they can be a, a stable top 10 team. 
and that raises the the profile of that derby as well and and, and brings football into into that city uh, and raises the the entire you know um, the temperature sure. of, the, of football in that city, and I, I like that. Um, yeah, and, and, and I, think, and I like you know I, I, that makes me happy. I mean, Genoa are a classic, um, a football club in in the Serie A. Uh, I like it. I really, really, really like it. And 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 I like Prandelli. I mean, he's a really, really likable person. Um, uh, he's he's. Uh, it's nice to see him do well there. Um, and and I hope that he 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 can stay on. And you know, because 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 I mean, the owner. Of Genoa is not exactly known for for, for Preziosi is, is 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 quite. That's I mean, putting it tamely. He's quite a character. He's nuts. You never. Yeah. Know. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's 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 clearly meant. You know, um, he's he's not. You know, he's not sane. <laughs> and and I mean, and and he's not like Zamparini funny because Zamparini is you know crazy because Zamparini there's the sheer there's brilliance there as well. Preziosi is is basically. He's just, he's just like, he's just shady, and... and he's not interested in investing in the club either, which I think is, is terrible really for a club with such historical significance to the league. You Agreed. know, it's, Agreed. It's not right. Mm. No, I'd, I'd love to see both of those clubs end up in ownerships that that can that want to invest uh, and want to, you know, not, you know, not not use the the clubs as the way you know to make money off of but but like say that okay any profit you make you can invest it into the club they don't do that he doesn't do that he he, he does the same way the Pozzos do in Udinese that this is their business that they make money off of and that's fine if you can run it like the Pozzo family have who are probably the best uh, the most successful you know small to medium-sized club owners in Europe. You know, owning a club in La Liga, in, in Serie A, in the Premier League, and stabilizing them in those is, is really impressive. And, and not to mention all the young talents they get. But Genoa don't do that. It's Preziosi doesn't really care. It feels like for him it's just about it's just about making money and putting it lining his own pockets, uh, which is sad. Yeah. Um, but they have done well. As you mentioned, Plandelli, I'm I'm happy to see him bring some more stability to that club. I'm curious. We put a poll out in regards to the last relegation spot, and yeah, I um no, basically, I, I wanted to see because I thought it was so exciting the um, the whole uh, the whole relegation thing. It's for it's basically four teams within within two two points and Udinese. Who I just gave, you know, was was paying tribute to. They're they're in a world of trouble. Uh, they oh, sure they have a game in hand against Lazio, but given the form that Lazio are, are in, I expect Lazio to mm. win. Um, Lazio are at home, but but it's yeah, it's basically you know, and Bologna have woken up. It seems like Mihailovic, they're in the honeymoon period of the Mihailovic era, um, and and that's when things go well. And then, and then you have Spal. So four teams within two, two, two points. Um, and we put a poll out, um, ask people who they think should be relegated alongside Frosinone and Kievo. And forty-eight percent of everyone who voted wanted Empoli out. Uh, and then second place, twenty-four percent wanted Spal out. Eighteen percent Udinese, and um, fourth, uh, fourth place Bologna. Um, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. I, I, li- I think Spal, Bologna, and Udinese are teams I'd like to keep. Um, in in the city. Well, after the weekend, well, I want Spal in my out. Opinion. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Spal to Roma are what Genoa are to Juve. Uh, 
Um, no, I think with with Empoli, they've made a huge mistake in the fact that they've reappointed Andrea Soli. Um, they've they've got they they had Andrea Soli at the beginning. Uh, he he obviously took took them up from Serie B to Serie A. Um, and he was playing very nice, very attractive football, but he wasn't getting the results. So I think it was with a bit of a heavy heart they got rid of him and they got um, they brought in the much more pragmatic um, Beppe Iacchini. Oh. And you know, he, I, I, you know, I know that the football will be terrible under him, but he would have at least, I think, kept them up. Um, and they've they've now got rid of Iacchini and brought Andrea Soli back, which to me just doesn't make any sense and Yakini said in an interview afterwards that um he he would have kept Templey up and I'm, t- I'm inclined to agree but I don't and now I don't think they'll stay up because Andrea Soli he wasn't getting the results before so why would he get them now I am fully anti-cap manager I really like him so I'm glad he left the only one I like is Cosme <laughs> I was, he's the only one I can't, he's the only one I can't stand. Oh, he's, he's the Romanista, that's the only reason why I like him. <laughs> oh, okay, well, that's fair enough, that's fair enough. But he's, but he's not, he's not a football manager. I, I don't know what he is, but he's not a football manager. He, he, he's, he's one of just, the he's a funny characters of Italian football. Yeah. yeah, that he is, that he most certainly is, but he's not a football coach. Um, and he's, you know, but no, I mean, I, I, I think it's a shame because... I mean, Spal will definitely stay up now after that performance. I think they're good enough. They showed they're good enough. And and I like, you know, that stadium is a nice stadium. They they have fans. They have a nice fan base. It, it always looks good. So I, I I like to keep Spal up. And Udinese as well. I just hope the Pozzo family, you know, remember that before they bought Watford and the big money of the Premier League, that they, they kind of built all that on Udinese and, and kind of returned their attention a little bit to Udinese who I think is a is a really nice club, a really likable club, uh, and one that I want to keep in the city. Uh, but Empoli, I mean, you got to Empoli to me are one of those, you know, capo, you know, they, they they they. What's nice about them is that they they kind of always a provincial club that kind of finds players that were a little bit left out at different places that couldn't really make it anywhere, and then they come there and then they make it. But in terms of uh, like interest in the Serie A, I mean Empoli. It's 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 really rather miserable to have them up there. They they have a stadium that was outdated in the 1920s. They have a they have a they they build their fan bases. It's, it's a small place. It's you know they don't have that much support. It, I don't know. I it, they don't really have a derby as you said. The you, people of Florence look down on them and don't even consider them to be a rival uh, and that to be a derby. You know, I, I, I would, I would not miss them to put it to you that way. Sorry, Empoli fans. <laughs> well, they have, yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned those players who didn't really kick on. Um, the one I always think of is Pasquale because he has no other qualities other than being able to put a decent free kick. Oh no, you can't play. say anything bad about Pasquale. I absolutely love Pasquale. You can't say anything bad about him. <laughs> I, <laughs> other than yeah, I forgot. Other than the free kicks, yes, I don't know that. what other defining quality he has, but he is absolutely sensational at them. So yes, he is more power to yeah. him. Um, and he does but now, Nima, you yes. So Nima, you you mentioned the stadiums. Um, I mean, if we're going to rank which team I want out of Serie A based on the stadium, um, first off, Frozenone would have Kievo. to stay because Kievo. they oh Kievo out. <laughs> 
get the hell out, <laughs> never come back. I, I mean, swear to I swear to God, if they if they get promoted next season, I, I will be so Which angry. they will. <laughs> oh. No, I, I hate that stadium. Everyone, I mean, I it, it was the worst traumatic. It's basically like you walk in there and you feel like you're you're in Morador. It's a miserable part of Verona. It's ugly. It smells. Uh, the whole place is just weird. Uh, it's always empty. Um, the, the, I, no, I, I hate that stadium. I absolutely hate it. It's, All right, so it's to, horrible. So, so to end this, Chloe, what is no, your so, least favorite stadium? Because Nima and I are firmly in this corner. I, I will die on this hill. Um, yeah. The Bentagoti can Me burn too. to the ground for yeah. all I care. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've been to Empoli this season, and uh, my seat, in inverted commas, was uh, sitting on a <laughs> concrete block that looked like, you know, it, it, Empoli is really bad, I have to say, with the temporary stands. But they, I think they have got sort of credible plans for a new one, so there might be some hope there. But, mm. yeah, the Bentagoti for me is the worst. I, I have full house on the Bentagoti. I think that we won't get rid of them now next season, given how things look in Serie B. Uh, I think we'll get, we'll have a lovely return to Brescia, uh, and we'll we'll have Palermo back, which is always good because, you know, it's nice to have a, a geograph- geographical spread um, of, of teams. But I, I think I think Hellas will will, will be will join them. I hope oh. Benevento join them because I I really like that stadium. Um, I thought I thought it was a it was a, you know it's a nice stadium, but. Lecce, Pescara, or Hellas, you know. Is none of the above If we're talking stadiums. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. If we're, if we're talking miserable stadiums, then, yeah, it's none of the above. I would take option. Perugia before all of them. <laughs> yeah, I'd love yeah, I'd love. Great fans well. there. Absolutely. Me, yeah. Oh, I hope they get promoted. Um, and an amazing chocolate festival. And an amazing chocolate festival they have there in Perugia as well, if anyone's going. Just, just throwing it in there. If you like chocolate and festivals, travel tips from Nima. There we go. Yeah, no, it's 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 awesome. All right, well, Nima, the the in-house chocolate expert. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I'm I'm all glad. I'm I'm very glad and pleased that we're all in agreement on the worst stadium because I don't know how anybody else could disagree. it's where happiness goes to die. You really, um, <laughs> you step foot into the Bentagori and the atmosphere sucks. The football that Kievo plays sucks. Just nothing. And There's if you no... were, if you're, if you're thirsty, if you're thirsty in between the amazing entertainment being being shown on that pitch, and you go uh, and to buy a beverage, uh, whether you know, basically, I, I have not seen this in any Western world. Western country, uh, other than in Verona at that stadium, there's a there, you know basically the everywhere has a cash register where you get a receipt. No, not there. There was a woman there whose thong was showing and had a tramp stamp. She was maybe 25 years too old to wear what she was wearing. Um, the glory years had <laughs> passed. Um, I was looking at her ass crack and she was putting money in her oh, bra. God. Oh. <laughs> Okay, I'm not making this up. This actually happened. And there are no women's toilets either, which is just like, it is just awful. I don't know. We can, discussing, discussing Italian stadium plumbing is, I, I, we can make an hour podcast on that. Bologna, I will never, I just, just, uh, I'll I'll stop. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. the San Siro as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. San Siro as well. If you go to the, have to go to the bathroom, that's why. But the San Siro has other things. 
the the Ben Tagori just has nothing. <laughs> like it's just mm. it's just miserable. Um, so no, I I think Hellas are going up. Unfortunately, uh, I I want Verona. Like it's nothing against the city of Verona. I like the fact that oh, it's you know, Verona beautiful place. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. It's just that they need to sort that stadium out, and 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 their fan base, you know, a little bit too. They're a little bit too twitchy in their right arms for my taste, to put it, to put it sure. like that. <laughs> All right. Well, if you plan on traveling, there you go. Uh, get in touch with me. He'll tell you which uh, – he's, he's got the lowdown on everything. No. So um, let, let's end it there before we – before I, I mean, we're supposed to be advocates of Syria. We are. I feel like we are. Ten, we are. Ten minutes. We've, we've – Go uh, everywhere. It's we, a beautiful we country. Just don't go to the stadium in Verona. That's the only thing. Okay. <laughs> Easy enough. All right, everybody. We will leave it there. Um, thank you for listening. If you could continue all the good stuff, right? Uh, rate, like, subscribe, uh, review. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Um, so we will leave it here. And until next time, ciao.